Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Yeah, it's the pitching, but the color Rockies can't hit either. At least not like they should, considering the advantages of their home park. Since the year they returned to the playoffs in 2017, Colorado has been in the bottom half of MLB in almost every hitting category, including home runs and runs scored. So what gives? Where's the next group of Blake Street bombers coming from? We decided to go to the source and ask Rockies legend Dante Bichette to help solve the Rockies' hitting woes. Great stuff from an original bomber. That's next, right here on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. You got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place. The National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. Manny, we talked last week with Jason Ursh about the pitching and the fact that the Rockies just really can't get it together on the mound. This year might be the worst ever with all the injuries. But you know what? They can't hit either. Uh, I mean, let's just not sugarcoat things. This team, um, and you just look at the numbers. If, if you break down the numbers, it's it's staggering how bad this offense has been. Since the, even 2017 when they, were in the pro, when they were in the playoffs, they still have been a well below average Major League Baseball hitting team uh, for the last six years. And playing half their games at Coors Field is just it's mind-blowing. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that a lot of uh, like visiting team announcers or people who aren't very familiar with the team will say, they'll look at that batting average and they'll say, oh, they're a good hitting team to the Rockies. Well, yeah, they're going to get their hits at Coors Field. But like uh, like you had mentioned off, off, off air here, they don't score that many runs. You look at their park adjusted numbers, they're not good. They don't slug. 
they don't slug. And that should never be the case for a Rockies team. And it's been that way for years now. And we're very pleased to have uh, the great Dante Bichette on the program, former Blake Street Bomber, father of Bo. That's, I think that's how, how, how a lot of the younger generation knows him now. But uh, yeah. in, in, in Bo Bichette, we're seeing what, what great, how great of a teacher, a hitting teacher, instructor, uh, Dante Bichette is on top of what he did during his career. Dante, we're thrilled to have you on, man. Just give us an update on what's happening, man. Um, all is good. Um, almost 60. So it's been a long time since I've uh, swung that bat, but um, <clears throat> I still I, I still pay attention. I watch ball games every night, watch my kid <clears throat> every night. So I'm kind of updated with it all, and I still love it. And I honestly, I end up in a batting cage <laughs> almost every day, and I don't plan on it. But somebody calls me, we hit with my kid, we hit with me, so I end up there. Not a bad place to end up, right? Well, Even no, all these I years mean, later. That's your home. You're comfortable there. We, you know, that's nothing new there. It'll probably bury you in a batting cage when you do croak, do finally croak. Hey, listen, I went back and looked at some numbers. In fact, I looked at the numbers for the 96 um, Blake Street. Oh Bombers. man, you should not do that. And then, I mean, it, if you're going to look at those numbers and then go right okay. to the last five years, you need a buffer. Okay, but, I'm, but listen, there, I, I, I think that, and I, we all understand about the humidor. Let's just put that up out front. We all understand the humidor has changed things a little bit. However, we've watched in recent years, Post-Humidor, the Dodgers and teams like that come in here and just put on a fireworks show offensively. It hadn't stopped them. So while maybe these aren't fair numbers to compare from 96 to now, but, I mean, you guys, Dante, six of you, counting Walt and, and EY, 174 home runs between you, between six of you. That's incredible. The year you were the, year you were the Rockies hitting coach in 2013, the entire team hit 108. I mean, I don't know how much of that's Humidor, how much of it is player acquisition and, and just talent. You guys weren't all high draft picks, all scouts, you know, number one picks and all that you guys just i mean and as great as you were and you absolutely were all everything there are sluggers out there today and the rockies just can't put them in the rockies uniform what, what's going on here oh boy that's a tough one because that's still offensive that's park one. that's still exactly. the offensive park right so yes. um it, have injuries played a big role because i know uh brennan rogers has big power you know, and he just hadn't been able to stay healthy and kind of get in a group. And I, I get it. He hadn't put up big power numbers yet, but it's there. He's not healthy. So maybe there's some coming there. I know the Nolan Jones kid is, is a big time talent. Maybe that's coming there to me, though. The biggest thing and I think this is this is the biggest thing you hear with the Colorado's. Oh, just get some guys who hit fly balls and they'll turn into homers. That's just not that's not going to work you got to get guys that can hit and put the ball in play that have bat speed. If they have bat speed, those numbers will really blow up at Coors Field. If they put the ball in play, then we got a chance for balls to get get in the gaps and get out of the yards. But that typical home run guy that just swings and misses or hits a fly ball, that's, that's a great not going to work at Coors yeah. Field. Great point because uh, – and we've talked it, uh, on prior episodes of this podcast about the whole general trend hopefully coming back toward less swing and miss – uh, in selling out for power and all that, but it's 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 just that much worse at Coors, right? When you're swinging and missing, because you put the ball in play at Coors Field, things happen um, much more. Yeah, much more often than they do in another ballpark. You know the the contact. You know, and 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 really, it's in the gaps, right? I mean, home runs. Yeah, they'll go 15 feet further, 20 feet further, or whatever. So really, the only balls that are different versus another ballpark are the ones that you didn't get all of them, but you got just enough. And now yeah. instead of being be warning track pop, of, of it's going to go over the fence. So yes. um, that's a great point. And, and 
what would you do? Because you you are you have a hitting mind, unlike most people. I mean, you you're one of the few people that can speak to this, particularly having played in Colorado. You're unique. You've played a, a much of your career, the most successful part of your career here, and you also have trained uh, your son, who has become a star, a superstar. Really, he's gotten the most hits, and this is, I think, a great testament to your style of instructing and what you focused on when you were a hitter. He has more hits than anybody in the last four years three or four years, however long it's been since he's been in the league. Nobody has more hits than Boba Shett. He's a machine when it comes to hits um, and he's only getting better. So what would you do if you're in the Rockies development side, draft and develop, actually, if you had to put those caps on, what would you look for? What would you do to build guys for this ballpark? So I'd get away from the analytics, what they're being told analytically, you know, get that perfect pitch, launch angle, all that, plate discipline. I would get away from all that. I would go hard on bat speed and the ability to, to put the ball in play, hand-eye court. When I'm drafting, I don't want swing and miss guys. I just don't want them. And, and I want bat speed, and I want ball in play. I don't care if they chase. If we're putting ball in play, I don't care if you swing outside the zone. Ball's in play, good things will happen. That's the way I think you got to go at it. I think you got to bully teams in Coors Field. I think we've always known that. I would go back and look at 95, 96 and say, how did that, how was that team put together? You know, it yeah, was free agents. And exactly. Galarraga was a great sign. Vinny yep. Casilla was a steal. You know, yep. I, I was That's a right. steal. Yep. Uh, Walker was actually the only real sign. Right. Ellis was hurt. He was a steal. So you got to find those guys in the free agent market to complement and develop some young studs like Helton, you know? So it's, I would get away. I wouldn't look at it traditionally like the, what everybody wants right now. I wouldn't go for the, Hey, swing decisions, things. Let me put it to you like this. If Michael Jordan, uh, if you told Michael Jordan, we don't want you shooting tough short shots, we just want you shooting a layup. And you said, because the layup, you make it a high percentage of the time. Okay, don't shoot the tough shot. Pass it. But who are you passing it to? Somebody's got to shoot the tough shot, man. Yeah, Somebody's got to hit the tough pitch. Good so develop those guys. That's just okay. I'll shut you, up. You no, don't that. shut up. We want to hear more of it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I I think what you said about bullying—that's the word. Um, I was just yeah. on another podcast recently, listen, literally today, talking about this. But a return to the chip on your shoulder as as a home player at Coors Field, um, because. There's a place for analytics. There's a place for everything, but there's also a place for mentally you are in a place in your head space that you know you're going to go out there and you have a really good chance to win today. It doesn't matter who's on the mound because your lineup is going to absolutely bludgeon the other side. If, if it takes 16 to 14, we'll do it that way because that's what we are. We're just owning who, what your ballpark is and especially owning the road side of things. And I know you had – you know, you had your style when you were briefly the hitting coach here. You had your style of like, we're going to take the machine on the road. We're Here's what we're going to do. But one thing that we've known between from from all the way back from the earliest days of this organization to now, regardless of the personnel, and there have been some great guys, you know, the Bombers, you guys, and then they had Helton and then they had Holiday and then they had recent guys like Arenado and Story. None of the teams hit well on the road, period. Go back through every single year, all 31. And you had so it's not personnel. It's obviously the physics of it. It's obviously the break. It's obviously coming down from altitude. So how about we? And we've talked about this. How about we own forty losses on the road and just chalk it up and say, you know what, we are that team that's going to lose this way, but we're going to kill you at home and we're going to make the playoffs. Amen. I mean that you got to bully teams at home because you know you're playing eighty-one games in Coors Field. 
You know, the rest of the parks are all kind of different. And if you can right. pull off, yeah, you're right. If you can pull off 40, that's a great year on the road. Actually. Yeah, 500 great. on the road, which is fine. Great. No one complained about 500 on the road. No. Uh, Dante, you mentioned, you mentioned swing and miss guys. Uh, and the Rockies have had a penchant for that in recent years. A lot of strikeouts. Michael Toglia, this first round draft pick, all the talent in the world, strikes out too much. How do you do you solve that? You call him a swing and miss guy. Is he just born that way and there's no change in it? Do you make swing adjustments? You, I mean, we've talked about this before. You and I were teammates in Milwaukee when you decided to use your two-strike approach, uh, spread out and, and just hit the ball the other way with two strikes. And then you incorporated that even when you got here to be more often than just with two strikes. Uh, your batting average goes up. Your home runs don't drop. It works. Can somebody teach that to Michael Toglia or, yeah. or is he a lost cause you got traded? Yes, you can teach it. I don't know if it's too late. I don't know Michael very well. But, you know, if you look at next time you watch a ball game, watch, you know, there's going to be 25 strikeouts, 30 strikeouts yeah. in the game you watch, right? I mean, it's, that's the way I, it is. By the way, I don't know how you do it every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. With all the rule changes, man, I mean, we're getting baseball. Things are, things are, again, things you know? are depth. The rule changes have been fabulous. They yeah, really have. Start, don't get me started. <laughs> I know, I, except well, the runner, I except the runner and extra innings. I can't deal with that. I, I, I don't like can't. any of the rule changes, but they're all working. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The shift one I came around on because of the, now we have a, a bit base hit for a hundred years, the base hit again up the middle and, and all that. But, uh, and the, the pitch clock is the best thing that they came no, up with. Not. The pitch clock is the best no, thing since no, like the no, curveball was awful. Uh, legalized. Pitch clock is awful. Pitch clock okay, is I don't awful. know where I was at. Where was I? Anyway, I don't know. We got off. Right. Michael Tolia, can you teach oh, yeah. him how to hit? Next time you watch a big league game and the swing and misses, count how many guys swing over the top and miss. I give you a little hint. It's maybe one in a hundred. I was going to say, not very many. They're trying to lift the ball, man. That's everybody's telling them, hey, home runs are paying money. Home runs, we have more home runs the next team we win, which is absolutely wrong. Uh, Eno Saris wrote an article a couple years. You know him, right? Yep. Uh, he wrote an article a couple years ago on what stat during the regular season says you will win in the postseason. And it's put the ball in play wins at like a 70 something percentage in the postseason. Why is that? Because every pitcher in the postseason strikes everybody out. That's right. No. <laughs> You're facing yep. a different class of pitching yep. all every night. Yep. Yeah. In October, so right? It, so if I if I know I'm if I swing and miss here with two strikes, it's going to be underneath. Maybe I could get on top of this ball and maybe just for one pitch here, not try to go deep and put a ball and play hard and on the ground. That thing will find more holes in a swing. You know, and miss. there's oh. some there's some scar tissue here at Coors Field about that. When you mentioned Amy and Desmond, ground ball rate. Manny talked about it all the time about how he led the league in ground ball rate. And he always hit ground balls, ground balls, ground balls. There's got to be a happy medium there somewhere. There's got to be a guy who doesn't ground yeah, out. Yeah, I, I think the ball on the line. this is where I think the analytics meet common sense. It's yeah. always been that. It's always been uh, – the problem has always been we, we 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 like as a society in every aspect, I think. When the big data revolution happened, like in every area of life, politics, sports, everything else, everyone got this – you know, we've heard of FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. We yeah. There's a fear of falling behind. And nobody yeah. wants to fall behind and everybody wants to get on that, the new, you know, the new stylish thing, the new trend. And then the, then the, then the pendulum swings way too far to one side. And that's where we were. Yeah. We're hopefully starting to come back a little bit, but analytics are great. They, analytics have been around for Ted Williams used analytics. Yeah. He was doing, he knew about Brad launch Ritchie. angle. I mean, he was, he, he, you know, you literally Dante, you sat in between him and I don't remember who the other guy, another hall of Bobby Famer, Dorr. Bobby, Bobby Dorr. Dorr. And they're arguing about the swing path. And look, so this stuff is not new. 
The question, no. the thing is, we have more technology to understand things better now. This is part of why I think pitching is so far ahead of hitting, by the oh, way, yeah. too. Because the guys, everybody comes out throwing 100 now. And everybody, because they've got the rep sodos, they got everything they need to literally in real time dissect what's going on with their 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 mechanics and, and their velocity and everything else. But you have the technology now. It's a matter of not abusing it, not taking it to a level where it's like you're missing the point. And I think that's why contact is good. Strikeouts are no good. Ground balls, look, ground balls, what did what did Daniel Murphy call them? Seven percenters, like seven percent of them get through or something like that. So yeah, but not but then 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 Ryan Spielborg's told me this one time, and I really thought it was really insightful. He said, until we teach break it break the zone down into quadrant into into components and say, and every little component, what the swing path needs to be for that component, for a specific type of pitch in that component, what are we doing? How why are we teaching swings? We need to because it based a lot of it's based on what the pitcher gives you right i mean you're not going to be able to predict i mean oftentimes we anticipate you guys anticipate and guess on what's coming but you still have to adjust and that's what's lost right we everybody has one swing rather than being able to adjust so there's a medium we just haven't hit it it seems like yeah so when you start talking counts you check out the numbers do this man you probably know them check out the numbers in non two strike counts it's absolute. The whole league mashes. I mean, yeah. three thirty might point. be the lowest average, and slug is just off the charts. Why is that? Because ball and play. There, if, uh, if you swing and miss, it don't count. Yep, you're not out. Exactly. So it doesn't even count. It's not even registered. Babbitt so, is the only balls in play. Yeah, only thing in play is Babbitt, and that's bottoms out at like almost three hundred, right? The league yeah. average, right? Right. It's, it's all, if, it's, if it's a, if it's below three hundred, you're unlucky. Yeah. And, and if you take the two strike counts out and just go non two strike counts, all of a sudden people are swinging with big time bat speed. The only ball in play is when you're swinging out of your rear end. That's why those numbers are so good. Then we get to two strikes. And because all of a sudden the swing and miss that registers, all of a sudden the whole league is, I think right now is about 155, two strikes. Because yeah, there you go. You got an out now. Yeah. So yeah. what you got away is, do I want to be a 155 hitter or do I want to get on top and put a ball in play and be a Babbitt guy of a 300, right? And a 300 guy, even though it might be a single, you know, to me, you hit with power early in the count and then two strikes you hit for average. You know, it's kind of like drive for show and putt for dough, you know, and <laughs> those two yeah. counts to me, you make your money with two strikes. You're great hitters. You're guys that, you know, when this guy comes up, you're like, Oh man, Watch out. That's a great two strike hit. My favorite hitter. Like, yeah. yeah. My favorite hitter right now in, in the re, with respect to can do everything. And I've always been the 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 the, the commercial with the little girl and the tacos and their, you know, tacos are falling over and she puts a flat taco. You know, why why can't we have both? You know, we can have a taco, but it can be flat at the bottom so we can keep it. Why can't we have contact and power? Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Oh man. Freddie Freeman is just when he's locked in. I mean, like he is right now. And we saw what he did last night, for example. This guy can do it all based on, like you said, the count, the situation, what's happening in the game. He can get you a single the other way. He could mash a home run if he needs to. But, you know, he's not, he's not, yes, I, I don't argue any of that, but he's not the first one. I mean, I, I go back no, to last no. time who was the best no. hitter I ever faced, no, no. and Dante would Don probably Mattingly. Don Mattingly. Yeah. Don Mattingly was the same kind of guy. I mean, you, you, you pitched him away, you got a base hit to left. You pitched him in, he took you deep to right field. He was... Master of situations, master. The swing wasn't the same all the time. Dante, what's is it all the they're being taught, or just they 
they just got blinded by money and dollar signs because of home runs. Why are people not looking at guys like that and wanting to be like that? Well, part of it's in your domain there, Mark, and not you, you particularly, but coaches at the youth level. Oh, no right? question. No like, there, are they, t- no are they, is there yep. even any concept of that at that, oh, the, at that the, point? The travel teams are, yeah, awful, awful about it. And Dante oh, people are making a lot, of, a lot of money yes, on YouTube. They are. Yes, they are. Teaching yep. guys to drop the barrel and swing up. See, so they use those PVC pipes and stuff. It's like, yeah, man, what are we doing? As soon as you drop that barrel, if that's your focus, dropping the barrel for bat speed, you're locked into a swing path. You know, yep. uh, and, and this adjust. is getting real. Yeah, you once you drop the barrel, man, it's not getting back up to get on top. You know, so that's why that fastball is just running by everybody, and they and and everybody works on dropping the barrel. You know, because it used to be this, and we're not doing this anymore. Which that there's some there's some merit to not doing that all the time but now everybody's working dropping a barrel so as soon as a barrel drops up drops under a 98 four seamer you ain't getting back on top of that you are done and there's guys that you can throw three and four right by them man and they got no answer for you you remember what we were talking about about wow so long time already five years ago world series cody bellinger back in 17 that series everything you they had the they found they they, they just went back to the well with him every time uh, was it uh, in on a little bit in on his hands and he just could not do anything with it? No, that's right. There are a ton of guys like that at the big league level, right? Let's now. be honest, Manny Ryan, Ryan McMahon's that way too. Ryan McMahon, Ryan Matt, you know, what's interesting about McMahon is, is that he figured out, he figured things out for a while. Uh, for sequencing, while. sequencing was his deal. Like it, he figured out the hips were going with the hands and that's not good. He needed to keep the hands back a little bit. I did something with him on that where I broke it. I broke down some freeze frames from before and after when he was slumping versus when he was hitting. And it's true. His hands, his hands stayed back. Hips went first. Um, but that doesn't seem like it would matter if you're still, you can keep the hands back, but if your swing path is still, you know, one way all the time trying to lift, then it's not going to, it seems like that wouldn't work anyway, no matter what you do with your hands. Okay. It's a, it's a different organization now than it was when you were here 10 years ago, Dante as a coach, but Jason Hurst talked last week with us about teaching the same things in the minor league through pitching, that there's not a, a set way like the Dodgers, for instance, will do a set way you're taught, from each level moving up do the Rockies not teach the same thing all the way through uh, I mean, are the are the kids in a ball learning something different from the kids in double a are they learning anything at all or are they just drafting guys and saying go hit what's happening why are we not seeing any fruits at the big league level yeah I'm not sure what what's going on there I I and there's something if you're asking me what I would suggest and this would be very well, you, first of all let's before that let's talk about what you saw when you were here Oh, and that was 2014, right? Yeah, 13 or 14. 13, I think it was, but yeah. Yeah, I was given free reign. I was not under any guidelines to teach a certain way. Uh, but the big leagues is like that, you know? Right. Minor Things have changed a lot now, right? Yeah. Between no then question. and now. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, you're supposed to be more of a finished product when you get here, right? You're supposed to have learned. Now it's more managing what you do on a day-to-day basis. Pitching coaches exactly the same way. But yeah, yeah. what are they? what were they – did anybody come up through the system and tell you what they were being taught? And you looked at them like, that's not right. <laughs> That's no, no, I can't tell you. I, I tell you what, if you want to look at a guy that works great, I mean, Nolan Arenado getting down on top of the ball, to me, he's the yep. best RBI guy in the game still to this yep. day. I mean, that guy works at Coors Field because ball's going to be in play and he just, he's mm-hmm. got bad speed. I mean, to me, if I, <laughs> this is this, like I said, this is not going to be popular though, but if I were to run an organization, I would not have hitting coaches in the minor leagues. Hmm. Um, really? Yeah, because. What happens is, and because we didn't have them, if you remember, Mark, you had a pitching coach, yeah, you had a, a traveling coach, and a manager, and that's is that, is that, Oh yeah, you know, I never thought about that. that. You guys yeah, just didn't true. even. 
So yeah, you're, you're not getting people filling true. stuff in your uh, filling nope. in your head with different things. Then no, if, if you're you know. if you're told to work on something, you better be working on that something. Yep. Even though you don't, you know yeah. it's not going to work yeah. in your mind. You and if you're not working on it, they're going to make sure you work on it. I think I think it's your career. You need to have that kind of freedom. And whoever floats out of that minor leagues knows himself. You know that way. He he's tried something. Some guys comes into town that's raking. Hey, I want to drop my hands like that guy. I want a leg kick like that guy. They try it. They they start tossing out stuff that doesn't work, and they bet they get to where they're going to be quicker, in my opinion. Um, and and when you got a hidden coach teaching one way, you better hope that works for you. You know, so. you, know you mentioned you mentioned the PVC pipe and the YouTube guys. Are major league hitters paying attention to that stuff, or is that just for the youth? Not the good ones. Not the good ones, man. That's the ones that stick around. All those gimmick stuff. Let me tell you something. The good hitters still hit off the tee. The good hitters still do flip toss. And the good hitters still take more batting practice than anybody else. And they grind it out in the cage and they figure it out. What the good hitters do is they know themselves. You know, they learn themselves. That's a key though, right? I mean, if if you if you know thyself, right? I think Dero said something like that this morning on the network. It's like that stuck with me. Know thyself. Okay. Well, know thyself is what kind of hitter are you, right? Um, don't if you're not a if you're a, a little guy, you're not a power guy, don't sell out for power. If you're you know, if you're if you're a massive dude, then and you got pop, you know, power is gonna be a bigger part of your game. But why do it's like why do we have to do one size fits all on everybody? You know, that seems like the problem. That seems like because the biggest. They issue. have guys that are professional biomechanical guys that can tell you the perfect way to do it. Everybody's Bob. Yeah. You know, here's a great quote. I forget who said it. If Superman had a bad swing, would he still hit? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He still hit, right? I mean, some people could just hit. It works for mm-hmm. them. I don't know. Maybe that's a good swing. Who knows? But it goes back to player acquisition. Then you got to draft Superman. You got to find him. You got to find him under as many. Well, part pushing. of it too is communication. I think I've talked to Thomas Harding about this a lot. But like, one of the most underrated positions I think in the organizations right now is the guy who has to, the guy who has to break down the info for guys. Like whatever info they have coming from up uh, upstairs, the guy who makes it digestible or not. Is he still doing uh, laundry in the, on the side? Yeah, well, I don't know. But the, 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 the guy, if you have somebody who knows what's useful and knows what's not useful when it comes to information for a guy and how everybody's a different type of person in terms of how they digest information, how they learn things. You know, Eric Davis said one time, um, I asked him about what he thinks about all this stuff. He's like, you know, the person who is giving the information needs to be okay with not getting credit and not getting the pub or getting the pat on the back right. it's all and, about the player's success and to dante's not about point, the, the the analytical staff that's a great that's a great point man and to dante's point that person's also got to be be okay with being told well that doesn't work for me yes dante we yeah. had coaches yeah. in the minor leagues that, yeah. that yeah. Said, you got to do this you got to do this and if it didn't work for you it wasn't and you kicked it then you got oh he's uncoachable yeah the best coaches are the ones who will tell you this try this it might work for you it might not use what incorporated into your system and see what works for you and kick out to the kick to the curb the stuff that doesn't work for you and the analytics yeah. guys have to be the same way about that they have to yeah. take that that as well yeah and if you are going to put guys in and that's why i don't like uh, hitting coaches in the minor leagues because you're right okay. they'll, they'll say you're yeah. uncoachable if you don't do what they do but right. if you are going to have any coaches in minor leagues in my opinion you have really you have you have big league guys that could hit now you pay your best hitting coach not in a big leagues payment a ball that's my a great opinion. idea that's a great yeah. point and because yeah. that's where it all begins. And that's where the guy is the guy. I was like, I don't care. I'm, I'm getting, you know, I've, I've been in the big leagues. I'm not 
worried about making a name for myself. And he'll right. he'll he'll be okay. a good hitting coach. You're right. He'll be okay with you telling no. That doesn't work. By the way, uh, Corey Corey, uh, Corey Dickerson, the first. I remember my first spring training day with the Rockies. There must have been eight or nine first round picks. All of this supposed to be all that. And I remember the batting practice was was just not good. It was like, oh my gosh, these guys can't square up two balls in a row. There was a, there was a little juice here, there. And then Corey Dickerson got in the box and he proceeded to hit every ball out of the park. And I was like, okay, who is this guy? And he, he could roll out of bed. Is, what was the joke that they had rolls? He could roll out of bed and hit or whatever. I mean, this guy, and he wasn't even on anybody's radar. I went right in the first coaches meeting. We said, so you got to get Corey Diggerson on the team, first of all. And they were like, "Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the DH DH wasn't in the national league yet. So that was a little problematic (laughs) because the boy can't catch a fly ball. (laughs) Didn't he He win a gold glove? He, he, I know. And I don't know how I I just, it's astounding because he was, it was like watching Prince in the little red Corvette video. With his yeah, every once in a while. I mean, Juan Soto was a gold glove finalist somehow last year. Somehow we don't, I mean, we don't feel the Bible awards. Sometimes it's like, well, you know, how'd you, how'd you come up with Corey that? could hit but, like all day long. He could not catch a cold in the outfield. Let's see. When I went and talked to Corey, Corey did, Corey did that, like it was in double A and, yeah. and I'm the big league hitting coach. Yeah. He had no issues telling me how he was going to hit. No issues. Really? Yes. He said, this is what I do. He didn't ask. What do you think? He didn't say what, you know, he told me exactly how he's going to hit. And and I walked away from that thinking that guy can hit. All respect to, uh, you know, hitting coaches, because I'm not one and I never played in the big leagues nor got close. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that with the caveat. I, when Sean Casey got hired by the Yankees, it, it, it once again caused the question to rise. Why are so many hitting coaches, guys who did not have a distinguished career in the big leagues? Well, look at, look at the guy in L.A. How do you say his last well, name? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Do you have That's an idea? Do you have about. anything on that, uh, Dante? Yeah. Because like a lot of guys, when Casey comes up, it's like he's got a pedigree, like he's got a yeah. resume, right? But uh, the guy he replaced, like who? Right. Yeah. So they they tried to hire, remember George Brett to do it. Yeah. And about I think the All Star break, he quit. Yeah. Barry Bonds hired, is a to, quick one too. Yeah, they tried to hire me. Well, yeah. I was like, oh no, I can't do this. I got you. It's just a matter I, of. It, they made too much money. They don't to grind as a hitting coach. You, you don't understand, man. The one, the 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 the, co- the toughest job on that team is the hitting coach. Now they've gotten better because they'll give two or three hitting coaches. Right. That's really good because you don't see sunlight from spring training on. You're in a cage. That's right. I mean, it is a grueling job. But yeah, you're we, right. You're right. We busted up, uh, and I was the worst offender. We busted up Dave Magan in the last couple of years. I was the worst. I was just burying the guy. What, am I, what do you mean, we? Mullins, it was all you. Well, it was all me. Mullins I kind of nodded my head every once in a while. Mullins comes in, and, and he highly touted, good pedigree. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed here. It, it's At some point, we got to get to the point where it's the bow and arrow, not the Native American, right? I'll be politically correct. Well, it's the, it's, 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 the, it's the personnel, right? I get yeah. what you're saying. It's, it's got to no be – got to have the right guys. That's the trick, man. How do you draft? We just called up the Blue Jays. Just called up a kid. I didn't even know. Schneider. Wow. I never heard of. And honestly, he had set nine hit, hits and two homers in his first series. Yeah. If you watch him hit, I know it. It's tough to look bad when you got nine hits in three games. But when you watch him hit, you can see he's got a nose for hitting. I don't know how you see that in a high school kid. Uh, I could have told you Bo was going to hit the big leagues, but I knew him real well. Yeah. And a lot of people would have told you Bo couldn't hit. He had a lot of power, but he couldn't hit just because he had a crazy swing. I was like, swing? Come on. You know, here, let me tell you, here, here's where scouts can go wrong when they draft. Perfect example is Bo. 
Bo had a, a, a funky thing in high school where he, he would pop the, the bat forward, then he'd go back here. So it was funky. Everybody's like, oh, that won't work in the big leagues, too many moving parts, all this. Well, let me tell you how this went down. He got signed. The first game in rookie ball, he faced a big league pitcher on rehab. He got jammed, quick pitched on his first pitch, got jammed because of all that movement. So the next day, he didn't have that movement anymore. So, and he hit from then on. So what I'm telling you, don't look at mechanics. If you're looking at mechanics, I've seen this too many times with young scouts, man. Mechanics from a big time hitter, if he's a big league hitter, they'll figure that part out. Yeah, they you know? guys, so get, I, dis- I guys officially... get dismissed too early then, it seems yeah. like. I'll officially apologize to Dave Maggot then. How's that, Manny? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, no, it's the Rockies, the Rockies when, when you and I were texting Dante about what we were going to talk about, it, it just, what they're doing isn't working. It, yeah. It's just... Yeah. There needs to be an overhaul of everything. It seems like from, I mean, every level throughout the throughout the developmental levels, yeah. and a lot of it may be, you know, everyone needs to get on the same page. Um, we've heard, you know, various things about, like, I think, I think Hirsch was telling us maybe about how it's just not cohesive all the way through. Like right, you're getting right. different messages at different right. levels. And he's talking about pitching, but who, who knows? I mean, it could be very well be like you said with the hitting coach. That's an intriguing idea. Like. Maybe every time you move up a level and you get a new guy, well, it's like he's well, going to fill your head with different things. What we had was a roving hitting instructor who was around yeah. every third yeah. homestand. Yeah. So it's the same guy. Like that. Yeah. Same guy, yeah. same message from the same guy to all the minor league teams. He'd rove around, and that's probably the answer. Well, yeah, he used to come into town mm-hmm. once yeah. a month. He'd screw you up. You'd <laughs> and leave. Then you could figure it <laughs> out. You'd get hot again. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Then you can figure yep. it out. Okay, bye. And I'll like, yeah. you know, let's let's let me get back it's, to what I was doing. It was only I, one message you had to had to discard, not a bunch of messages, right? Yes. I think coaching is a lot like player, man. You got to draft the right player and you got to get the right coach because a good coach can make a difference. Mike Eastler made a difference to me. When I played for Don Baylor, he made a difference here for me. So everybody has their strength and and you just, man, you, you're just lucky, I think, in this game if you run into the guy that can change you. And everybody has that guy. I'm sure you have one, Mark, that, you know, oh, if you look for that guy. Everybody yeah. has that guy. So you can't mm-hmm. devalue coaching. It's important. But one guy's greatest coach might be somebody the other, other don't like yeah. him. It's just in baseball, man. It's just in this sport, it's just especially hitting, you know, with regard to how differently. I mean, you got your Julio Franco's, right? And then, you you know, that <laughs> up over their head. And he was a hit, great hitter for how long? He's still out there still somewhere, has, somewhere hitting. Somewhere. I see stuff on Twitter like he's still hitting somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah, you know what? By the way, Dante, um, there was talk. I, I got to get your your thought on this. There was talk about. Uh, I think King Griffey Jr. was talking about it at the All Star Game about getting together home run derby of ex players, and uh, you would definitely be <laughs> on a softball uh, field, maybe. <laughs> no, like on a like at the ball at the All Star like All Star festivities. Hey, listen, listen, we didn't we you know we didn't get to do it this year on the 30th anniversary. On the 25th anniversary, we had a everybody's out there from the 93 team. Dante, you were there for the 25th, weren't you? I know you were there for 20. Were you there for 25? I forget. To a couple of them, yeah. We had the play. We had the batting practice, the alumni batting yes. practice. Vinny had no problem hitting the ball over the fence. No, Vinny can still do it. I was yeah, doing the he gets out there before games and he still does yeah, it. Yeah, he had no problem. So I mean Larry's in great shape. Like he he refuses to do it, but he's in great shape. So uh, I, I imagine you guys might don't want many to embarrass you in a, in a hitting in a home run derby. Oh, no, that's the thing. We're gonna get embarrassed. <laughs> yes, but I think you guys would be I mean, you're in a cage every day, man. I think you guys would do it. I think it'd be fun to have like some ex players like do a home run derby before the actual home run derby. That'd be you really know what? fun. I, I agree, but give them aluminum bats. 
Sponsored okay. by. All right. Hey, that's even better, man. Sponsored by United Healthcare or something like that. <laughs> no, that's even better. I think that would be. I mean, Gr- Griffey got in the WBC. WBC got in the cage a little bit, and he showed the youngsters how it's done. And well, let's uh, not compare Griffey to everybody else. I know, I know, I know. But like, it's, Griffey's it's, always. I think, that's, kid, I, I think it's. I think that's where the idea came from because everyone loved watching it. I don't think we really care what happens. I think we just want to see you guys back out there and. Uh, See you again out there. You know, I think that would be fun. Danny, did you ever hear of the the league they tried to start, the senior league they tried to start in Florida? Is that the one you were pitching in? Dante? No, no, I was I was a I kid, so. man. I, oh, Raleigh okay. Fingers was in there. Oh, when you were a kid? No, I don't. Oh, I don't know. yeah, man. It was the. I, I remember the uh, Ron Washington was the MVP of the league. I mean, <laughs> really? Yeah, but wow, there were a lot of stars that played in that league. And see, that's honestly, what we want to see. We want to see you guys back out there. We don't care about the result. You know, old timers games are one shot deal. Play old timers game and by the way, out. the Rockies need to do that. Do. Uh, every team should have that, but I mean, I like old timers game. But I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the Rocky. I mean, it. it I, there's just seems like it seems like there's this feeling around the organization. It's always walking on eggshells. It's always, you know, the ballpark's a boogeyman. It's always we've got to we've got to figure everything out just right. You know, otherwise we're not going to. You know, and even a little bit of we'll show you. Whereas maybe you can be all open to other ideas, you know, and, and open yourself up to maybe what other people are doing a little bit. It's the old, it's the old joke. How about you just get good players and see what happens, you know, instead of trying to do everything out of the box, the way you're doing it, you know, and I know it's not that simple, but maybe it is in some sense. Well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did have, I will say this, the bombers had some swag. They had confidence. Yeah. I mean, Vinny's confidence that come Galarraga Walker, yeah. they're confident guys. We, we knew. I think a lot of that came from Don, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, Don was uh, he was a you know, Don was a true guy. leader. He, I know he, he didn't was. win, but he was the best manager I ever played. I, I, I mean, I agree. He was he was a take no prisoners approach to. But you know, you think that. about it. He did he did win in '95 with you guys, yep. and then '96, Larry gets hurt in '97. I mean, things happened where it yeah. was like things just kind of spiraled out of control. But that first '95 season. I mean, still, again, I still is think, that the is that the blueprint we've talked about it before? Is that the blueprint? Is I it, still think he's the best it, offensive it, coach I've ever seen. His, yeah, his, it, his it, offensive it, philosophy: they ran. You guys stole bases. You did. You kept pitchers on off balance by running all the time. You did all the aggressive in your home ballpark. Best offensive coach I've ever seen. That's another thing I would wish the Rockies would do: is right. run, just run. They're because, like the second to last in stolen bases. For example, no, run, run because run because yes, you, you're going to get thrown out. And you're going to look Wait. foolish. Okay. But that really messes up pitching. It, no I, doubt, you can see it now, and yeah. that might be a way you pull off a couple games on the road if you get good. There you at go. It. That's exactly. the way to do it on the road, right? Absolutely. Steal a game, literally, and fig- and figure. Literally, it. it's the best approach, and it's just not being utilized here. And it's the analytics that tell you don't steal bases; it's not worth it. The next guy can hit no. home and all that. Blah blah blah. So it doesn't it doesn't work. Hey D, we gotta let you run. You're gonna be in town when. Oh, um, yeah. When am I going? 26, 27? So are you are you coming for the Jays series? I don't know that Bo's going to be back by then, but uh, no, September 1st? Or, I, for, I don't okay. have any plans to, but I am coming for the Bombers. Yeah, I think it's like the 14th or something, like in the middle of the Giants series in the middle of the month, yeah. I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This yeah, month we'll or next month? Next month. Next month. Next month. All right, cool. Yep. Well, we'll look. We'll have. By the way, I was I had breakfast with Wayne uh, Hagen the other day, and we, we need to get like a whole picture of. I don't think all of us have been in the same place at the same time. Dude, since we did the that. project. Photoshop. So let's do that let's for do sure. Photoshop. All right, man. Hey, D, we appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Take All care right, of yourself. Always great, man. Appreciate See it. You there he goes. Manny, give us a closer. You ready? Coming in. It's going to be hard to follow this, up. but I will. I will right, try. Well, Manny, we'll be back to close it out. This is the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there 
Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. You got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place. The National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. We talked today about how the Rockies should perhaps return to an old-school mentality of, we're going to bludgeon you with our Blake Street Bombers. One of the original Blake Street Bombers, in fact, the guy who came up with the nickname himself, joined us on this podcast to discuss the development and acquisition of sluggers built for Coors Field. Dante Bichette is also the father of Bo, and in Bo, a superstar shortstop for the Toronto Blue Jays, we see just how great of a hitting instructor Dante is. Dante was a one-time hitting coach for the Rockies as well, and if anyone knows how to develop a hitter, it's him. He made a great point on the program about the importance of putting the ball in play at Coors Field, given its cavernous outfield and the prospect for a high BABIP. BABIP is not your friend when you're striking out all the time. In the spirit of our discussion, let's do some more of what Mark actually began doing in preparation for our talk with Bichette. Let's take a trip down memory lane and see just how potent the Rockies' offense was long ago at the dawn of the franchise. Hey, it's the 30th anniversary of the team this year anyway, so that works in that vein too. In 1995, the Rockies became only the second team in MLB history to have four players hit 30 or more homers in the same season. Dante Bichette, Larry Walker, Andres Galarraga, and Benny Castilla. The four of them together smashed 139 home runs. Two years later, they set a franchise record with 239 home runs while slugging an absurd 478 as a team. This year, the Rockies are on pace to hit 157 homers, which would be tied for 24th in the franchise's 31-year history. The club hit 149 home runs last year, the fewest in a full season, so we're excluding the strike-shortened 1994 campaign and the pandemic-shortened season in 2020, since the inaugural year of 1993. Not exactly worthy of the title of Blake Street Bombers. So, while it won't happen overnight, given the current roster-slash-farm system, should the Rockies bring the Bombers back? As we talked about on this week's podcast, it would be good to make Coors Field, as Ellis Burks once put it, a nightmare on Blake Street once again. Old Reliable, Manny closes it out again. That puts the wraps on another park-adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to Rockies legend Dante Bichette for making another stellar appearance on the show. And as always, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.